1: How many times, how many times did we hear that the gains from the tax bill are already baked into the market? How many times did the chattering classes tell us the move's been made? You'd be a fool to start by now. Well, after another good day, where the Dow gained 99 points, the S&P climbed 0.64%, and NASDAQ fall at 0.84%, new highs across the board. Who looks foolish now? Baked in? My Area. Clean this up a little. <laughs> Billy, we're all gonna die. Alright, look, every morning I peruse the res- every morning I peruse the research that's published by major Wall Street firms, okay? Usually you get a mixture of about 10 upgrades and five downgrades. Most often we get a price target boost because the stock has overrun the projections. That's about as bullish as it normally gets. Today though, today, I counted 29 upgrades of significance and two downgrades. Two baked in. Baked in? Are you kidding me? Baked in? I'm done with that. I'm done with hearing about baked in. This is the official baked in cake, and I am taking care of it right now. Thank you, uh, Cam producer, for my Bowie knife. All right. Why are we getting all of these upgrades, including... I'm fine, including multiple, oh man, I'm on a diet, I got, I'm got. i on a cleanse, give me a towel. No, there's no way to start a cleanse. Anyway, including multiple recommendations that include estimate bumps, tax reform, tax reform. That's right, the very event that was supposedly baked into the cake that all the graybeards told us was in this already, they said it was being overblown, is proving to be the main reason for most of these positive animal supports and upgrades. Which makes me wonder, where are all those people who kept you out of the market because they thought the rally had run its course? Where are the bears? Are they in there hiding? Let me look. Oh, tax reform. Where are the bears who told you that don't buy now because tax forms already all well known? Frankly, I'm outraged about this, as you can tell. I've been adamant that the surprise of tax reform, and come on, hardly anyone thought this bill could even pass as late as November. It occurred so quickly that the analysts didn't even have a chance to revise their estimates. Now we're getting upgrade after upgrade of any, of any domestic company that's even remotely a full taxpayer. Look at all the beauty. All the beauty, up over 15 points because it's getting a huge tax cut. Same goes for Dave & Buster's, Dick's Sporting Goods, Oracle, General Mills, so many others. You want a textbook example? Take Waste Management, a longtime Kramer fave that we own for my travel trust. You follow along by joining actionlearnersplus.com club. This morning, Macquarie Research, legitimate firm, raised its target price for waste management from $79 to $114. Why? Because of the baked in tax reform. I could use some napkins. Anyway, better than licking your fingers when you're on a cleanse, let me tell you. And when you're on a Mexican bar, do you mean I gotta stay away from the tequila? Anyway, you know what? I think these are all buys. Every one of them. Ulta has spent enough time in the bear's den to surface without too much worry about competition from Amazon. Dave and Buster's can take that newfound money to expand, and it's got plenty of room to grow with an experiential feel and plenty of money to be made on liquor and those silly games, like that claw that we get to spend 50 bucks on to get a three-inch tall bear, bear. I'm not kidding. The claw. You ever, you ever? How much money have you lost in the claw? What are the margins on that business? As for dicks, why not? If Foot Locker can do better and people like Nike all of a sudden, even Under Armour's going up, how can we not buy dicks? Oracle's been oversold since that last quarter, which wasn't nearly as bad as the Bears made it out to be. General Mills delivered much better numbers. People like that peanut butter chocolate Cheerio thing, not the millennials. So why not upgrade this sleepy but once great company? And waste management? I think the garbage kingpin will have a fabulous quarter thanks to the post-hurricane cleanups in Texas and Florida. Not to mention the home building boom. Can the stock actually hit 114? Hey, it's only at 87. But at this pace, other analysts will have to raise their price targets and the whole process will start all over again. You see, it wasn't baked in. That's the point. Oh well. Hey, it's okay. It's an old it's an old zenia. Anyway, you know what's truly amazing about these recommendations? All throughout the tax debate, we heard companies were just going to spend this money on buybacks and dividends, meaning only the rich would benefit. But of all the recommendations based on tax reform that I looked at this morning, the only one that seemed geared toward possible buybacks as opposed to growth was the one on Oracle. And I think even Oracle is about to go on a hiring spree to handle its cloud and licensing businesses, which are better than expected. Not only that, But many of these companies are going to buy plant and equipment to take advantage of the new, more favorable accounting rules for capital expenditures. And it's not just benefiting shareholders, people. A lot of so-called experts scoffed at the $1,000 bonuses many companies are now paying their workers. Now, I've heard that it's gimmickry. Okay, gimmickry. I've heard that it is just a way to sell people on a tax cut that mainly helps corporations. I say, wait a second, wealthy cynics. The last time there was a real tax break for corporations, the repatriation gambit of George W. Bush back in 2004, I don't remember any bonuses at all. Just buybacks and dividends. Nothing for the workers. Not only that, while Wall Street may spend $1,000 on a couple of California cabs on a given evening, and I'm speaking about Sauvignons, not Ubers, $1,000 is a lot of money to most Americans. There was a time when I didn't have a nickel to my name, and if someone gave me $1,000, I could have gone to my myriad creditors and done a total reorg. Believe me, fellow main house, beach house folks, this is something huge and unprecedented that may be too darn rich, you may be too darn rich to realize. Sometimes it's downright miraculous. Today, Dominion, Dominion Energy, bought the bedraggled scanner. Sell, sell, sell. A South Carolina utility has been raising rates to pay for huge overruns in nuclear plant construction. What did Dominion, what did Dominion do? What did Dominion, what did, what did they immediately announce? That they announced that they are going to give $1,000 in cash payments to all of Scannon's customers who've been crushed by the price hikes to pay for that nuclear power plant. You think that's some change? It comes to $1.3 billion for Dominion. Yet you know what? You know, you don't know, you want to know how good a deal this was? The purchase will be immediately additive to Dominion's earnings. Now, it may have been snowing in South Carolina today, or was that a shower of sea notes drifting down people's heads? It's raining cheese! Hallelujah! It's raining cheese! Amen! Now, I know that the critics will be out in full force saying that this is all madness, and everyone knows that tax reform is just artifice, a reason to pound the table when there wasn't one before. But these upgrades are working, they are moving stocks. I used to work at one of these big firms. Let me tell you what's happening right now, right now, if, if you're an analyst who covers individual stocks. The director of research tonight knocks on your door and says, did you see how much United Technologies jumped on that upgrade? Did you get a look at how much dicks rallied? Right, how about the new high and five below? I don't care how long you have to stay tonight. I don't care if you don't like any of your stocks. I want you to gin up a buy recommendation and have it on my desk tomorrow morning. And I want you to get on with salespeople and you start calling accounts and you start pounding the table and go make us some money. Now, I saw that happen repeatedly in the 80s and 90s, but I've been, it's been 16 years since I've seen so many recommendations that actually move stocks, move them big. Believe me when I tell you, It's contagious. Oh, and guess what? We haven't even heard from the tech companies that are going to repatriate money yet. We haven't heard from the semiconductor analysts who know that there's oodles of cash on the sidelines begging to get in the group. Case in point, NVIDIA. Without any news whatsoever, this stock rallied 14 bucks. Do you know how many people abandoned this one while it spent some time in the doghouse, which is an apt term, by the way, given that my own dog, NVIDIA, has been moping around of late. Yeah! Okay, I didn't officially change this name to NVIDIA with PETA or the ASPCA or whoever keeps track of these things, but when you have a treat in your hands, trust me, this clown of a mud answers to NVIDIA! So here's the bottom line. We're going into earnings season right now. The analysts are under pressure from the research directors to pound the table. They want to get ahead of when the companies themselves take their estimates up. And guess what? This was day one of the process! Baked in! I think it's just getting started. Why don't we go to David in my homestead in New Jersey get things rolling, David? Jim, love, bad money, end the morning shows with you and David Favor. Yeah, man, that's a dynamite show. We should we should bake a cake on that show. What's going on? Oh, uh, excellent. Wait a minute, I love I find both shows to be very informative and equally important to me entertaining. You both crack me up. I love it. Well, I mean it's okay. a business show, but we try to keep people you know engaged. What's going on? Okay, December twenty eighth, 2017, it was going through my watch list. Percentage gainers, that's what I was looking at. I saw Watt, W-A-T-T, up approximately 20%. I bought a call on it, cost me $125, sold it the next day, very happy. All right, that's Uh, good. Considering what the critics are saying, they never, uh, they fail to deliver, what's your outtake, what's your... uh, I don't know. I see this stock trading like a madman every day, and I have got to do more work on it. Even though this is the top of the show, I just got to own the fact that I don't know enough about that thing other than it jumps around constantly. Let me get some more, but congratulations on making money. How about Nigel in California? Nigel.
0: Good afternoon, Mr. Kramer,
1: and Happy New Year. Totally. I'm calling about Novartis and their acquisition of Advanced Accelerator, which is the symbol A-A-A-P a company that did a really good job for me, and I made quite a bit of money. Now Novartis have taken over. What do you think of the company? I like Novartis very, very much. I think they do a lot of things right. I don't think they're getting enough credit. I think it's an excellent company and an excellent buy even up here. Okay, okay, everybody. It's raining cheese if you're in South Carolina. Tax reform is not baked in. Can we understand that from now on? This is what this was about, to show you it's not baked in. I think it's just the beginning. On Mad Money tonight, I'm checking the 2017's Dogs of Dallas, see if any of those puppies could become your best friend this year. There goes NVIDIA. Then, is there still time to place for a place to in your portfolio, for children's place? After a phenomenal run, I'll take a look at what's ahead for the retailer. And a company that can help you stick to your New Year's resolutions, like not eating cake and being on a cleanse. Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of Mind Body. I gave you my take on the five best performers in Dow Jones Average in 2017. All right, let's do it. Now we are going to enter the house of pain and deal with the five biggest losers, the so-called dogs of the Dow. Although when you consider that other than General Electric, no stock in the index was down more than 7%, there really aren't a lot of dogs to round up. Good thing, too, because with GE's hideous 45% decline last year, there's not much spare space left in that doghouse. But even GE's stock might finally be finished going lower, at least for the moment. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. I want to go in reverse order, taking the Dow's worst five performers from strongest to weakest, meaning GE's dead last. Couldn't resist, sorry. All right, who was the fifth weakest uh, Dow stock last year? Verizon, which ended the year down 0.8%. The gigantic telco carrier gave us some real oddball performance, frankly. Typically, when the Federal Reserve starts raising rates in earnest, investors tend to bail on higher-yielding dividend stocks. But Verizon has roared eight points from the middle of November, despite last month's rate hike and the prospect of many more going forward. And the darn thing doesn't seem to want to quit other than today. Maybe it's starting to win back customers that lost to other carriers, including the uncarrier, which is T-Mobile. Maybe the Fed's rate hikes have been so well telegraphed that they're now a non-event and the stock's 4.5% yield is starting to look real attractive. It's awful hard to tell what's behind Verizon's recent advance. I'm going to chalk it up to something called mean reversion. In other words, it kind of went back to where it was. The truth is, nothing at Verizon was that bad when the stock plummeted from the mid-50s to the low-40s in the first half of 2017. And nothing much changed when it zoomed from 44 to 53 near the end of the year, with the stock actually giving you a profit when you include those dividends. I'm not crazy about the stock of Verizon up here. But you could do a lot worse than owning this stock for steady income and decent performance in 2018. Fourth worst stock, Merck, the old St. Merck, down 4%. Now, this may seem really weird given that 2017 was the year of Keytruda, Merck's big anti-cancer drug that works better than most. But remember, the economy is so hot that pretty much every active portfolio manager fled the drug stocks in order to buy more of the cyclicals. Merck was just a casualty of the rotation. Although there was a time when this company had so many irons in the fire that its stock could have transcended the business cycle. Not anymore. Hey, but it's got that safe 3.4% yield. Some nice protection. Dow's third weakest performer, Exxon Mobil, off 7%. Now, before we chalk this up to Exxon being an oil company, get this, get this. Chevron was up more than 6%. The difference, Chevron had a number of big projects coming online, boosted production. Even though oil's now broken out above its $61 barrel level, I've gotten less enthusiastic about the group. Well, because I fear that one day the fossil fuel industry will be considered the equivalent of big tobacco. Oh, come on, you know, millennials start running money. That's what they're going to do. Now, if you really want exposure, I suggest a pipeline MLP, like a Magellan Midstream Partners, which sports a 5% yield and transports crude from the pre- pipeline star Premium, uh, Permian Basin. Hey, it's needed. Excellent just doesn't have the growth to get me excited. Again, though, stock can go up with a group. I just think it's my, one of my least favorite of the oils. Second worst performer, while well, 2017 was a sensational year for all kinds of tech, it was not so hot for IBM, with its stock down over 7%. Now, here's a company that's made some, many small acquisitions to augment its business, transform itself into a premium cloud play, all sorts of analytics attached to it. The idea is that IBM wants to embrace these strategic growth imperatives in order to offset the decline in its legacy business, that makes sense to me company did introduce a new mainframe this last quarter that will boost earnings and take some of the pressure off CEO Ginny Rometty. Look, IBM remains a great innovative business, and it caught a much-needed upgrade today, which emphasized how the company benefits from a weak dollar and has historically performed well at the start of a new mainframe cycle. Where we are, they've got some amazing proprietary products. So what's the deal? Well, it's up against Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, which are run in the so-called public cloud. IBM only has private cloud services. Now, I think that's holding them back. That said, IBM's got better encryption than these other guys, which gives them a real edge when it comes to cybersecurity. Hey, seems like a good selling point, if you ask me. At the end of the day, IBM has reinvented itself many times in its long history. I bet they'll do it again. We just don't know how long it'll take, other than they're not doing it fast enough for many portfolio managers, including the legendary Warren Buffett, who's been jettisoning the stock in spectacular fashion. Hey, maybe he's done selling. The stock's rally today shows the stock can still hunt. 3.8% yield for protection. I think IBM's a buy. But in the wake of today's big run, I mean, maybe you get a little profit-taking pull trigger tomorrow. Finally, last, and sadly really least, is General Electric. It's down 45% last year. Yeah, you heard me, 45%. Now, it takes a special kind of industrial to lose that much value during the best economy in ages. First, let's be clear. GE refuses to be introspective about what went wrong. That's a bummer. I certainly hope that new CEO John Flannery explains why the company couldn't earn the two bucks this year that it forecasted at the end of 2016. If he walks us through it and takes the big write-down we've all been expecting, I think it'll be greeted positively. The tough thing for Flannery will be figuring out how to maintain the already halved dividend, given that the losses in so many divisions are so enormous and the cash flow may not be as high as he thinks. Flannery needs to sell assets, and he's got to sell them fast, as it might be a stretch for GE to make even half of what former CEO Jeff Immelt was trumpeting just a few months before Flannery took over. The one bit of good news here? While Immelt used to say that GE's earnings were indifferent to which direction oil went, it's now, because of the acquisitions and disposals, very much an oil-related enterprise, where sales do much better as the price of crude rises, and it's rising. I think that Flannery—maybe he's lucky here. Better be lucky than good. I think Flannery is prompting uh, GE Baker use for a sale to raise cash in order to pay for that dividend. To get the best value, he should sell it piecemeal, get better prices. But the clock is ticking. Fortunately, as oil climbs, someone or someones might want to buy pieces of this company to take advantage of GE's beleaguered state and get a real bargain. I'm keeping it on a tight leash for my charitable trust, and I've issued more mea culpas for owning this one for my trust than any other stock that trust has owned in 15 years. But I want to see what Flannery lays out before I decide whether to bail into the newfound buying we've seen over the last couple of days. I can't believe that GE is truly as horrendous as the stock suggests, but I've been wrong all the way down. A fresh start with a recognition of the errors that were committed will go a long way toward establishing the credibility this company needs for its $18 stock to return to the 20s, where it probably belongs. At least if it can stem the bleeding and solve the bigger issues, like debt, like pension, like long-term care obligation, and of course, power, oil, and infrastructure. Yep, that's a big to-do list. Flannery needs to do them all to save this company. He's been dealt a real bad hand by the previous CEO. He's got to work fast to augment it. Bottom line, I'm not a huge believer in the dogs of the Dow and an old saw that says you could buy the worst performers and expect something good to happen. That seems, let's say, uh, silly. Nevertheless, on their yields alone, I think Verizon, IBM, Merck, and Exxon can hang in there and work higher. Gee, is a whole different story. But if these are the worst five stocks of Dallas to offer, I'd say we can buy them low and buy them high and watch those equities fly. Hey, anybody hear that melody before? Okay, much more mad money ahead. Finding winners in the retail space isn't child's play. But Joseph's place make it feel that way. I'm focusing on how this company is able to climb higher when others were left behind. Then, a play that's bringing the wellness trend straight to your fingertips and possibly your portfolio. And what Schlumberger, Wells Fargo, and Disney all have in common in this market. you got to stick with Kramer! Some stocks just don't know when to quit. Maybe they take a breather or even go into hibernation for a couple of seasons, but then they come back stronger than ever. And when you find one of these winners, you need to hold on for dear life and get on the ride. Take Children's Place, PLCE, the pure play children's apparel uh, retailer. That's one of the few mall-based brick-and-mortar chains that has thrived in recent years. The stock has more than tripled since its lows in 2015. Yeah, it's brick-and-mortar, including a terrific 44% run last year alone. But here's the really crazy thing. For most of 2017, the stock at Children's Place did nothing. It was basically in a holding pattern until mid-October. That whole 44% gain came in the last 10-odd weeks of the year as part of the broader comeback in retail. But these gains are a lot bigger than what we saw from other brick-and-mortar merchants. So what caused this stock to catch fire all over again? And more importantly, of course, for you, can it keep Rory in 2018? First, let me give you some background on this story because what's really intriguing It's not that the stock vaulted into the stratosphere when retail came back into style on the Wall Street fashion show. It's that the company managed to do so well for so long, even when other retailers were struggling. Children's Place has more than 1,000 stores across the United States and Canada, another uh, 168 locations overseas. And many of those are located in, yes, shopping malls. Shopping malls. Yet when analysts and journalists were uh, penning all these obituaries about the death of them all, Children's Place somehow managed to keep on delivering excellent numbers. As I've mentioned before, there's really two aspects to this story. First, Children's Place has benefited from a terrific turnaround, spearheaded by the company's brilliant CEO, Jane Elfers, with some assistance from a couple of activist hedge funds. For a long time, this stock was an underperformer, and the company's results were consistently subpar. But thanks to a series of initiatives that started paying off in late 2015 and really came into full bloom in 2016, Children's Place got its groove back. Under Elfers' leadership, the company implemented a new inventory management system that gave them better control over what merchandise they were carrying. Supply chain management, very important. They partnered, partnered with Amazon to sell things online. Uh, They shut down unprofitable stores, and they started licensing the brand of franchisees overseas. Even when times got very difficult for the rest of retail, these efforts allowed Children's Place to keep posting excellent results. Many people shorted it. They were wrong. Meanwhile, Elfers also moved into the tween apparel space, selling larger sizes for older kids, too, and it paid off big time. The second big contributor to the company's long-term strength, simple. It's difficult to buy clothes for young kids on the Internet. They keep growing. It's amazing. Taking a five-year-old shopping may be a harrowing experience, but if you want their clothes to fit, you got to try them on. And that means Children's Place is much less vulnerable to online competition than most other brick-and-mortar retailers. It has force fields that the Death Star that is Amazon can't even breach. Still, even though this company had a lot going for it, the stock spent most of 2017 languishing between $100 and $120 a share. In fact, Children's Place sold off hard after the company reported in August. What, what happened? What went wrong? Well, the numbers were OK when Wall Street was hoping for them to be amazing. company delivered a 10-cent earnings beat off a 76-cent basis, but its revenue came in a tad light. And while same-store sales were better than expected, up 3.1%, that was still a big deceleration from the 6.1% gain in the previous quarter. make matters worse, the guidance for the next quarter was a, a, a tad tepid. In response, the stock got slammed. Failing to meet high expectations was a serious sin, last year at least. Since then, though, we've only heard good things. In September, Morgan Stanley published a lengthy report on Children's Place after meeting with management, where they called the company, and I quote, one of the few retailers prepared for how the world will change. Even better, they were bullish about the third quarter, and that turned out to be pretty darn prescient. Sure enough, when Children's Place reported the latest quarter in uh, mid-November, the company knocked it out of the park. Terrific top and bottom line beat, not to mention some seller 5.1% same-store sales growth. Shocking. All these worries about the weak forecast from the previous quarter, suddenly forgotten. Best of all, company raises full-year earnings forecast, and the stock took off. And let's remember the time here. Children's Place reported these numbers right around the time when we realized that Congress was actually going to pass their huge tax reform package that would be very beneficial to domestic retailers. Children's Place paid a 30% effective tax rate last year, 40% rate the year before. So this new 21% number is going to translate into a clear and present earnings boost. And let me tell you something. From the first block, it ain't baked in. No more cake. Cleanse. At the same time, for months now, it's been getting clearer that brick-and-mortar retail may be in better shape than we thought. The whole industry just had its best holiday season in years. This is definitely a rising tide lifts all ships scenario. But wouldn't you rather invest in the ship that was already seaworthy? Hey, throw in one more positive, will you? Children's Place saw its main rival, Jim Berry file for bankruptcy in June. And they swiftly closed roughly 330 competing stores during the late summer and early fall. That's a lot of business up for grabs, and it helps explain the strength of the company's most recent quarter, and I think this next one. What about the next time Children's Place does report? Well, look, the company has crushed the last two fourth quarters in 2015 and 2016. Those were much less retail-friendly environments than we have now. Given the company's recent performance under Elfers, I see no reason why they can't do it again, even though the stock is so high. Could have more to go. Oh, and even after the stock's recent run, get this, the stock only sells for 18 times earnings. I think that's a pittance when you consider it's one of the best-run companies in the whole industry. Plus, those earnings estimates will still need to be raised as Wall Street calculates the impact of the new tax code that's not baked in, which will mean the stock is going to turn out to be a whole lot cheaper. Bottom line, Children's Place is a terrific story. Jane Elfers is a dynamite executive, and every time the stock is sold off, it's turned out to be a fabulous buying opportunity, including the time that the shorts rated it and Jane addressed it right at the top of her call. Given the monster run at the end of last year, okay, maybe we see some profit taking in the not-too-distant future, like the pullback we got today. And all I can say is that any weakness in children's place is worth buying. John in New York. John! Hi. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am Happy New better Year. Better than average. How about you? Sounds good. Listen, Walgreens is coming
0: out with their earnings tomorrow. I own this stock. What's your opinion of the stock?
1: Uh, no, homie, don't play that game. I mean, we'll have to look at the numbers, but I don't know. It's too, I, I think the Walgreens is going to have an okay number. I am worried about the front of the store. Why am I worried about the front of the store? Because of Amazon. Why am I worried about the back of the store? Because there's going to be a price war in prescriptions. That said, I think Walgreens is well run, and it wouldn't surprise me if it does well. But remember, we care about long-term future, not 24 hours. Randy in New York, Randy. Hi, Jim. Happy New Year. Love your show. Ah, uh, thank you, Randy. I think I got a dynamite one going, and you're on it. What's up? Oh, wow. Calling about
0: Alibaba. You
1: I know, think that Alibaba 35... ended up trading with Fang. It turned out to be yes. you know Fang, like you know Apple, Amazon, and Alibaba. And I think Alibaba's fine. I mean, look. Yes, the Chinese just got a little come up and in this MoneyGram thing. Uh, you know, President Trump. He's not too cool on it. That's it. I think Alibaba's a well-run company, and I would own the stock here. Dude! Oh man, if I had known these, I would have put them on! Holy cow! These are fabulous! They beat my jams any day of the week, but mine have feet! Alright, some stocks just won't quit. Children's Place is a raging buy on any weakness. Much more may have money ahead, including a stock that's up over 45% in the past year. Can mine body continue its move? I've got the exclusive with the CEO. Then. How, how, how this market's bad memory could be good for you. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer.
0: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
1: Do they know anything other than Instagram? C-note. C-note. Uh, C-note. They don't know what a That's C-note right. is. They probably don't even know it's on the C-note. They probably think it's like foul. a long, long, way to go.
0: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: Now that so much money at last is rotating back into fast-growing technology stocks, what are we supposed to make of a company like MindBody, Symbol MB, the cloud-based provider of business management software that's focused on the health and wellness industry? A little over two months ago, we checked in with these guys after MindBody reported a huge, fabulous quarter sending its stock surging into the stratosphere. But... Once Wall Street got excited about tax reform, the cloud name suddenly went out of style. Stock pulled back from its highs, along with the others. Plus, it didn't help that one of MindBody's largest shareholders sold 1.76 million shares in a block trade in mid-December, cashing out at $31.60. Stock got slammed on the news, although after today's furious rally, it's back above 32 Remember, though, like so many other cloud plays that sold off last year, there was nothing wrong with the company when the stock went down. Money managers were just selling the high-growth techs to raise capital so they could swap in the cyclicals and the domestics that really benefit from the big tax cut. Now that the money's pouring back into the cloud and taking MindBody right back with it, can the stock keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with Rick Stollmeyer, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of MindBody, find out more about where his company's headed. Mr. Stollmeyer, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Great to see you, too. Well, we certainly have the right time because I know people, myself included, we're all thinking, how do we get in shape and if everybody thinks the same way, then it's not easy to get an appointment with a trainer. It's not easy to get into a spin class. What does Mind Body do for you?
0: Well, that's right, man. These are the top New Year's resolutions, aren't they, to improve our lives and yes. live a healthier, happier life. And so what we want to do is have those people that have their resolution get engaged and stay engaged. They've got to find that class. They've got to find the right experience that's going to, going to give them the, uh, what they need uh, from their body. So we've introduced dynamic pricing. Dynamic pricing is something we just take for granted in our everyday lives, the way we book airline tickets, uh, the way that an Uber ride is priced, the way that we book our hotel room. Um, all of it is dynamically priced. Uh, if you wanted to get a sporting event seized, you want to get theater tickets. Right. So now we have that in the wellness industry, and it's super exciting.
1: Well, this is fabulous for a company uh, that employs Rachel W., my wife's favorite spin instructor. In other words, meaning that if you can't get in her class for that yeah. flat fee, you're furious,
0: but she'd pay up. I bet a lot of people would pay up for the right instructor. That's right. So what happens in dynamic pricing is the people that are willing to pay up can get exactly the experience they want. And the people that are perhaps more price sensitive... And let's talk about the college student, for example, right. or somebody on a limited income. They're able to find classes that are much cheaper, $10, $12 for a class, to have an experience that other people might pay $35 or $40 for if they're more time uh, flexible or if they're willing to book in advance, just right. like it works with travel. All
1: right, now let's back up, Rick, for those who aren't that familiar with the idea that you even have to fight to get into a class. MindBody is a way for both the, uh, the gym, the spa, and the client. To get a good resolution
0: where people know they know you and they have information about you, at the same time you can book yourself. That's right. I mean, what it's really about is solving for two problems. First of all, there needs to be a robust, continuously growing supply of wellness services. And these businesses are not easy to run. I mean, they're surprisingly complex. My wife runs a spa wellness center. My nephew runs a fitness studio, and partners in both these businesses. I'm actually a mind-body customer myself, twice over, and I can tell you they are surprisingly complex to run. But once they get the right target audience and once they uh, uh, understand how they're going to deliver their services in a predictable way, they are really quite durable. And so what we're able to do is give them a business management system that solves their fundamental Mm -hmm. problems and then connect them to a much larger audience and get more people in the door. Because if you've got 20 spend bikes and you've only filled 15 of them, that last five is lost forever.
1: Absolutely. That's what we say at the end. We use dynamic pricing. You know. I mean, uh, those rooms, uh, they're go for the, you
0: can get $50 for them, it's better than nothing. That's I mean, right. that's why MindBody must really help the gross margins of your clients. That's right, we've shown it that you implement this system of MindBody. It starts by just enabling people to book your classes and appointments right. online or for mobile apps, and of course, from the MindBody app. We have over 6.8 million users now registered on the MindBody app. And this app, every single day, is connecting both the regular clients as right. well as new consumers in and right now after the new year's resolution is when the most right. new people enter the market and we want to get them absolutely hooked in and give them a the great experience that so they'll keep coming back throughout the year how do you get paid how do we get paid by yeah body? i mean do you get paid both both the customer and the uh the business no consumers use our systems for absolutely free no what, what we're doing right now is we, we first of all have a base subscription revenue right. uh, fees that we charge for our software right. Um, we make a little bit of money off the payment processing. Okay. And then we have some marketing fees that we collect for promoting their businesses through the MindBody app and other web properties.
1: Okay, um, I, have, I like to get my hair cut all the time now. I like to look neat, whatever that is. They never know me. They treat me, I'd say, terribly. If they had this, would they know me and know what I want
0: and treat me with some degree of civility? Absolutely, man. They're gonna, when they walk in the door, they're going to say, man, he needs a number one on the side, and then uh, he likes to have yes! a hair cut in this way. How did you know? Yeah, How did you know it's a one? Well, I just, I just know hair, man. And you and I, okay. we have similar uh, hair characteristics, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're uh, way behind me.
1: Um, eight <laughs> English-speaking
0: countries. Why overseas? I
1: mean, the U.S. market is so under-saturated.
0: Absolutely. It's a huge market, but it's global. We became global almost right out of the garage. Well,
1: why, man? It's hard enough to do business in this country.
0: It's, it's a point well taken. And right now, we're in over 100 countries. Wow. I mean, this is inbound. People okay. come to us. We, we came to understand a few years back that we needed to focus on eight high cap- high per capita income English-speaking countries, U.S., Canada, U.K., Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and Hong Kong. Right Now, in every one of those countries, we have a significant inventory right now of, of customers and of available classes and appointments. You can go on the MindBody app, and you can go search um, in Sydney right now. You can go search in London. Uh, oh, okay. You can search in Dublin. You can see our customer base. It's, it's quite sizable. So the why is because the demand is out there and there really are very few people in the world doing what we're doing. There's a small number of niche competitors. Right. So we're the only ones that have really achieved scale, being able to provide a really robust, crafted solution for this industry. Or right, I got a name for you, Mawa. Mawa. Yeah, make America well again. Make America well. <laughs> So so we're not gonna say again, we're gonna say make America well. Well more because America has a long way to go of getting well. Well I wish I wish you were involved in so many different industries, because
1: there's so many times that I'm willing to pay more for an appointment if I really need it, but nobody's organized enough. I don't think you should just be salons and hair. I mean, I wish my doctors used you. I wish the Walgreens used you when I went and used the Minute Clinic.
0: Well, that's how we see ourselves. We see ourselves as the marketplace of wellness. We see ourselves as the system that's going to enable us to get out the real issue in our country, which is the $3.4 trillion a year that we spend on health care now. $3.4 trillion a year. That's close to 20% of our GDP. 86% of that is preventable causes. We're not exercising right. enough. We're not eating the right foods. And we're all dealing with way too much stress. And, you know, when you sign up for one of these classes, you not only are going to get fit, you're going to get a social experience. You're going to make friends. Total agreement. You're going to create a community. I mean, a lot of people are suffering from loneliness. This is really powerful stuff. No. Once people realize the the, the dopamine and serotonin hit, when they go work out, they're hooked. It's absolutely true. You get hooked on wellness instead of hooked on junk food.
1: Lori B. and Rachel W. are two of the most important women in my my life because if my wife sees them, she's happy. And she can't get in without dynamic pricing. Absolutely. Do it. Rick Stolmeyer, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of MindBody. I like this one. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. On one another. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski-daddy. It's time for the lightning round. i over. going to start with Mark and Virginia. Mark. All right, Jim, sitting by the fire, having a brandy. I'm in on Hormel at 43. Buy, sell, a hold. Which one? I lost you on the brandy because I'm a scotch drinker. What was the stock? Hormel, Hormel. Okay, Hormel and Smucker are both working here. I like Hormel, and I'm also going to throw in General Mills. That's a twofer. Let's go to Jim in Illinois. Jim. Regards, Mr. Kramer from Frozen, Chicago. Well, it's Frozen chosen, though. What's up? <laughs> Earlier last year, after hearing you talk about industrial stocks, I realized I was underweighted. I did a sector search looking primarily for companies that weren't the usual suspects, possibly looking for a, a, a hidden gem. Okay. I found a company called Amatech, A-M-E for home oh, gamer, man, that's gamers. Right what right do you think? The corner from me. You did well, and what I want to tell you is don't sell, don't sell. That company is just, I mean, I, I actually had been working on a big piece about it. So it kind of took the thunder out of things, but you got a winner there. Let's go to Charlie in New York. Charlie, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, my question: uh, Applied Materials, A-M-A-T. Okay, it's sold off because people feel that there's not enough demand now for flash, and that Mike and the DRams are going to are, are going to fall. I say that spend enough time in the on the wilderness, and it's okay to buy. I want to go to—no, no, no. I am just getting—it's ridiculous. I'm baked in. Let's go to James in New Jersey. James. Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'd like to discuss Nabor's ticker NBR. Oh, man. Really? That's like, the, that's like the worst one of them, but the chart's good. I guess it could go to nine if oil goes to 65. I got one more. Here. I got one more in my pocket. Let's go to Chris in Georgia, please. Chris. Jim, this is Chris from Georgia with a big happy Georgia Bulldogs booyah to you. Man, I like the Bulldogs. Yes, What's sir. That? Well, yeah. I'm calling about a home state company, Southern Company. I love yeah, the I'm not crazy about experiment. Southern. I don't like that nuclear power stuff. Why don't you, why don't you upgrade to A, E, P, and that? Ladies and good the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: tell a lot about a market by the way it reacts to bad news. If the market turns a blind eye to a negative story about a particular company, and then a few days later the stock starts a furious rally, BUY, bye, BUY, then you just might have something special in your hands. Normally negatives linger or create prolonged sell-offs. In this tape, <gasps> bad news is packaged, forgotten, and then the upside games start all over again. Last night I talked about how the stock of CSX, the giant railroad, It is back to where it was trading when we learned about the tragic death of its CEO, Hunter Harrison. Immediately following his passing, the stock got hit with a nearly 8% swoon. And given that CSX ran up 25% on the news of his hiring, you'd expect the news of his death to hit the stock pretty darn hard after all. Harrison took the job less than a year ago. But the market quickly forgot as it fell back in love with the rails, and CSX raged higher once again. All aboard! It's not just CSX. I can name five different situations off the top of my head where bad news has been totally forgotten and errors forgiven or absolved simply because the bulls are looking for any bargains they can find. Ah. Bye bye bye! Let's start with an obvious one: Wells Fargo. All right, here's a company that was still—it's still very much in the crosshairs of the regulators. It's made numerous admissions of bogus account opening chicanery, and we still don't have the final numbers. The Federal Reserve could take severe action against the bank. Their own hand-picked investigation team blasted the culture that allowed the shenanigans to occur. Yet how's the stock doing? It's been blasting through the roof, breaking out a- above the 60 level after languishing in the 50s for ages. Somehow Wells Fargo's misdeeds have become more like a minor indiscretion. And all people care about now are Fed rate hikes and how it will impact Wells Fargo's bottom line. In fact, Wells caught an upgrade today from Bernstein that barely mentioned the chicanery. Incredible. Or how about Newcorp? All right, this steelmaker has pre-announced shortfalls three quarters in a row. <laughs> What's the stock done? Well, it's gone pretty much up in a straight line, a 13% move higher after the last shortfall was announced. And it was a meaningful one, a real meat axe, not a butter knife or a cut. Why did this stock rally in the wake of horrendous number cuts? Because investors are hoping for federal infrastructure projects and a prospective tariff against Chinese steel imports. Actionalords.com club members know that I've been endlessly disappointed in Nucor, the company... (coughs) But not the stock, which is hot as a pistol. They're like two different animals, a bear and a bull, so to speak. Everyone seems to have forgotten the last pre-announcement, even as the company has given no assurances that the next quarter should be any good at all. What else? Two months ago, there was a major panic in the stock of Macy's. Investors grew concerned that the department store chain wouldn't have enough money to pay its dividend. All assurances by Mr. Jeff Gannett failed. Even as the company has vastly improved its debt position while generating some nice cash flow improvement and the stores are looking better. Now, with some cold weather and some chatter about stabilization in retail, the stock has zoomed almost 50 percent. And Nobody says a peep now about the safety of the dividend. Who knows what will happen here if Nordstrom comes back and says it's in play and wants to go private again. Today's weakness in Macy's may very well be a gift. United Parcel came out on December 5th. Announced that it was having some problems meeting holiday e-commerce demand. Holy cow, stock got hammered. Yesterday it folded $4.52. Today it added another $2.74, more than erasing what was left of that decline, and the stock has hit an all-time high today. Finally, in the first week of December, Slumberger's stock fell from 64 to 62. After it gave a talk at a Cowan conference that led to estimate cuts galore. Now the stock's up nine points from those cuts with no real sign of improvement in its services business, even as I like Schlumberger very much. Sure, the price of oil's risen, but numbers are coming down anyway because nations and companies aren't boosting their drilling budgets yet. Stocks should be falling, not rising. In the old days, that's exactly what it would do. These are just some of the most obvious examples of negative stories that the market has simply stopped caring about a few weeks or days later. It's an absolution, a blanket pardon, and a memory lapse all rolled into one big ball of bullishness that's a major prop behind the spectacular rally that we have been enjoying for more than a year now. Stick with Craig. Okay, look, I know that Intel was down today, and why not? I mean, there's this glitch, and everyone's trying to figure out what the glitch was. I remember during the Pentium glitch in the 90s, it was one of the great buying opportunities before the stock really took off. So keep that in mind. Brian Krasanis is a winner, not a loser. Like I said, there's always a little market somewhere. I promise i find it just for you right here Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you tomorrow.